theme going on this morning. Uh, along with Nacho Libre, Napoleon Dynamite, Disney's animated Robin Hood and White Christmas, The Princess Bride is my family's most quoted movie. In that movie, when the kidnappers of the princess discover that they are being pursued, Vizzini, the mastermind of the kidnapping, says, inconceivable. When he discovers that the pursuer's ship is fast approaching his own, Vizzini says, inconceivable. When the kidnappers uh, arrive on shore, they begin to scale the sheer cliff by rope, and the pursuer gets on the rope behind them. And Vizzini looks and says, When the kidnappers reach the top of the cliff safely, they sever the rope. Vizzini looks over the edge and discovers that the pursuer has not fallen to his death. And Vizzini says, Finally, Inigo Montoya, the Spanish sword fighter, turns to Vizzini and says, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, this is the fourth and final Sunday of January Vision 2020, and I keep using that word, vision. And some of you may say, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Maybe you haven't yet heard what you consider a vision, so Let's do this. Let's try to get on the same page of what I mean by vision so that you're not frustrated and so that we aren't talking above or around or across each other. When it comes to the word vision, you'll often hear Proverbs 29, 18 quoted around churches. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, this verse literally fills up conference seminars and church growth breakout sessions. They become standing room only because people assume that vision means two-year, five-year, ten-year, nuts-and-bolts strategy for your church. All the details worked out so that you know exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to get it done. If you do not have this vision, your people will perish. Perish! No pastor, no church leader wants their people to perish. And so because of that, these vision seminars fill up. But let me offer you a different translation from the one I read, which is actually from the King James Version. It's just more convenient. The NIV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. The NIV says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And so vision, as used here in Proverbs, refers to the prophetic word of God. It refers to God's vision. It refers to what God has revealed. It does not refer to a vision that we create ourselves. And the word perish here means living in your own way and doing your own thing. So what the verse actually means That is, if God did not speak to us, if God did not reveal his will to us, his vision, we would all go our own way and not his way. And that's not a good thing. Because Proverbs also says there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. 
So here's the good news. The good news is that God has given us a vision. God has given us his revelation. So when I talk about vision, I'm simply, simply referring to what God has revealed, what God has declared, not something that we here at Redeemer created ourselves. Our task is simply to implement the vision that God has given us in his word. His word is the vision. We work it out as Jesus directs. And that's why our word for this morning, our words on this fourth and final Sunday of Vision January, they're so vitally important. And those words are these, in Christ, in Christ. When I am in Christ, when we together as a church are in Christ, I'm confident that we will know what to do and when to do it and where to do it. And so our vision as a church becomes staying together in Christ. That's what we must do. We must stay in Christ. And that's what I want us to talk about as we return this morning to the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. If you have a Bible, if you turn to that passage, if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find John chapter 17 on page 903. And when you found your place in John 17, let's stand together so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. Once again, these words are the prayer of Jesus that he offered when he was with his disciples on the last night of his life in the upper room. Jesus says, this is the word of the Lord, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for this prayer that you uttered in time and space, but actually on our behalf, with us in mind. We're humbled by that. Lord, it's with grateful hearts we receive both your word and your prayer. And ask the Spirit of God that you would apply that prayer and the truth of it to our lives as we seek to stay in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I announced on the first week in January, the first of our Vision Sundays, we are changing our tagline that will appear our bulletins and communication, we're changing from experiencing community in Christ to becoming community in Christ. Because we believe this better reflects the vision we see the Lord giving to us as a church from His Word. We've looked at each segment of this statement over the course of these weeks. Week one, we talked about becoming. Theological word, sanctification. Realizing that all of us together are in process, becoming more and more like the Lord. We are not yet what we will be someday. Weeks two, 
And three, we talked about community, what community looks like among us, and what community looks like as we seek together as a community to reach out into the world or the community around us. Each part of this vision is contingent on the words we have before us this morning in Christ. Look in verse 21. Jesus prays that they may be that they may all be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us. Now look in verse 23. He prays I in them. And so this is union in Christ. Us in Christ and Christ in us. And Jesus is simply here in these verses making a matter of prayer, the truth he already told the disciples. If you turn back in John chapter 15, you read this. Same night, same upper room, same dinner. Jesus tells his disciples, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I in the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a picture of union with Christ. An intimate, life-giving, life-sustaining connection between the vine and the branch. That's what it means. For us to be in Christ. And this is our vision for Redeemer. This is what we seek to encourage. This kind of union. This is what we seek to develop among us together as a church. Through everything we do. That we might have this kind of relationship with Christ. Famous 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon says. There is no joy in this world like union with Christ. There is no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we feel it, the happier we are. And that is so true. Entire books have been written on just these two words, in Christ, our union with Christ. And that's because this topic is so pervasive in the New Testament. I did not take time to count all the number of times this phrase appears in the New Testament. Because sometimes it appears as in Christ, sometimes it appears as in Him, sometimes it appears as in Jesus, sometimes it appears as in the Beloved. But between all of those, I can safely say that this idea of our union with Christ appears well over 150 times. 150 times in the New Testament. And because it's so pervasive in Scripture, this idea of our unity in Christ, it ought to be pervasive in our lives as individuals. And it ought to be pervasive here in our church and everything we do together. So let's define the term as best we can. We get a little help on this from famous theologian Louis Burkhoff. In his systematic theology, he writes that union with Christ is that intimate, vital, and spiritual union between Christ and his people. 
in virtue of which he is the source of their life and strength, their blessedness and salvation. Jesus is the source of our life, the source of our strength, the source of our blessedness, and the source of our salvation. John Piper defines it this way. Union with Christ is the reality of all the ways that the Bible pictures our human connectedness to Christ in which he is indispensable for every good that we enjoy. Indispensable for every good we enjoy. No saving good, no eternal good, no God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good comes to us except as we are connected to Christ. That's union with Christ. And we need to encourage our hearts a little bit this morning and increase our joy, I hope, and challenge our thinking and our living by unpacking just a little bit of what it means to be in Christ. Clearly, with over 150 verses, I cannot possibly read them all, but I hope to read enough to excite us about the possibilities and and humble us by the depth of what it means to be in Christ. So I can only choose a few, and I'm going to highlight just six, six realities of what it means for us to be in Christ. And five of those are going to come from Ephesians chapter 1, because that's the go-to classic verse when we're talking about union with Christ. So if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 1 in your Bible, if you're using a pew Bible, that's going to be on page 967. So turn to Ephesians chapter 1, page 976. Did I say 967? It's 976 in the Pew Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, let's look first in verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because we are positionally in Christ, because we are so connected to Him, because He is the vine and we are the branches, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Sermon after sermon could be preached on that. Keep reading. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's reality too of our union with Christ. Because we are positionally with him. Because we are connected to him. Because he is the vine and we are the branches. God puts us in Christ before the foundation of the world. As God sees us, we were already there connected to him through Christ. Now, if you'll let me skip over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, listen to this. And God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, try to put your mind around that. It's no wonder we stand amazed in his presence. Before the world was created, before it was founded, God already had us in Christ. How do we understand it? Right now, even though all of us are still alive, 
here on earth in time and space, we are right now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It's inconceivable. God, he, he's beyond the time that limits us. And all this is real to him in Christ. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. In Christ, we are seated in the heavenlies with him right now. Before time began, right now, throughout eternity, I can't explain it. But I say it to just completely and utterly overwhelm us. Because we can't get it. To humble us before the Lord. He understands all of this. It's reality to him. It's his design. We can barely understand it at all. And so we need to be humble. And we must, at this point, give up any shred of pride that we have in who we are or what we have done or what we can do. And we've got to completely renounce the, the humanism of our day that celebrates the inherent goodness of humans and our glorious unstoppability and what we can achieve. And instead, we need to humbly celebrate Christ, that we are in Him. How coloring book and crayon are our highest and best achievements in comparison to His eternality and what we are and what we become only when we are in Christ. Keep reading Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Him... We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Here's reality three of our union with Christ. Because we are positionally in Christ, because we are connected to Him, because He is the vine and we are the branches, we have been redeemed, bought back by God. And the blood of Jesus was the price that had to be paid to make that purchase certain. So I want you to think of the worst story of human enslavement that you've ever read or ever heard from our own tragic experience in the South or right now, today's modern stories of human enslavement and human trafficking. And think for a moment about the worst treatment by the most vicious master ever. And imagine the suffering and the sadness and the hopelessness of the one enslaved. And then, and then imagine that slave being rescued, brought out of that misery by good and gracious and kind and loving master. Imagine the inexpressible joy of that slave. This is what God has done for you. This is what God has done for me in Christ. You were that slave. I was that slave. Ours was the misery of enslavement to sin. Sin is a cruel and harsh taskmaster. Have you ever noticed that? And the end of it is dreaded death. But Jesus bought us. He redeemed us from that kind of slavery to sin and ultimately to death. Because you are in Christ, you are redeemed. Is that good news? No wonder we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Keep reading. Verse 9. 
making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And here's reality four of our union in Christ. Because we are positionally in him, because we are so connected to him, because he is the vine and we are the branches in the fullness of time, in God's time, our lives will be united in Christ. That simply means that everything, everything out here is going to be summed up in Christ. Our lives are not united right now. They're not one, they're not summed up. Here's our lives, our lives right now, at least mine, if I'm the only one here, are loose ends. Many distractions. Our lives are disjointed. Our lives are disconnected. We have so many options, so many voices vying for our attention. We can't focus. We try. We try to have a unified focus, but then a ping goes off on our phone. Is it a Slack message? A text message? An email? A voicemail? A Facebook message? An Instagram? An instant messenger? I don't know. I've forgotten which ping is associated with which one of those things. Did we get them all? Did we respond to them all? Did we miss one? Did we get interrupted before we had a chance to respond? Who's going to be upset because we got distracted and didn't respond? What's going to not get done? Who will believe our excuse? You can see I'm putting all my fears as a pastor out before you because this is my life. I can't keep up. We're all over the place. Are you all over the place or is it just me? If it's just me, say, Craig, it's just you. Is it just me? Oh, praise God. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Imagine what that would be. I can't imagine a time of more division than we're experiencing right now in our country. There's no unity. It's discouraging and disheartening. But in one sense... God's time for us is right now because he has revealed Christ to us right now. And then in the midst of the chaos right now, I can choose and you can choose to pull away and focus on Christ because the Spirit of God has revealed Jesus to us. And then one day, in the fullness of time, all things will be united in Christ. No more loose ends. No more divisions. For all time and eternity, with laser-sharp focus, our eyes, our attention will be focused on Christ. No other will vie for our love. No other will vie for our attention. No other thing will distract us. All will be united in love and adoration of Jesus for who he is and for what he has done. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are you looking forward to that day? Amen, I am. Keep reading verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, 
to the praise of his glory. And so here is reality four of our union with Christ. Excuse me, reality five. Because we are positionally in Christ, because we are connected to him, because he is the vine and we are the branches, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that God gives to us, seals us with it. And by sealing us with it, he is marking us as our own. The Holy Spirit says we belong to God. It's our identity. We are Christ's ones. The mark, the seal of the Holy Spirit shows ownership. God owns us and it carries with it the idea of the protection of the owner. Because we are in Christ, we are God and he cares for us. And he demonstrates that to us by giving us his Holy Spirit. You have him. The Holy Spirit of God. We stand amazed. Keep reading. Now we come to our sixth and final reality. We're going to have to leave Ephesians chapter 1 for this. Go to Romans chapter 8. You're familiar with this verse. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Here's reality six, our union with Christ. When we are in him, we are secure. This vital connection, this union with Christ cannot be broken. And that's good news to people like you and like me who sin often. That's good news for people who often forget who we are and who we belong to. The Lord never forgets His own. The Lord never gives up on us. The Lord never abandons us to ourselves. He keeps us secure. Jesus Himself says in John chapter 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Forever secure in Jesus. A relationship never to be dissolved. Is that good news to you? So there you have only six realities of our union with Christ. And, and absolutely, my apologies for passing so quickly over these unbelievable, amazing truths, particularly being indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. But I don't have all day. And so we have to move on. So you get six out of 150, but I will put this before you. As you read your Old Te New Testament, and I hope you will, Allow your attention to be arrested every time you read this phrase, in Christ, in Him, in Jesus, in the Beloved. And I hope that you will, every time you see it, know that this is your reality. You are in Christ. I do hope that what we have seen this morning is enough to make you want to stay in Christ, to excite you about that relationship.
to make you want to remain in him. Not only as an individual, but we together as a church. Being in Christ, it's vital to everything we do. And so our vision is we together as a church will have this close, intimate, daily, hourly relationship with Christ. This is the vision. And this is a vision that keeps us nimble as a church, not rigid, not tied to a two-year, five-year, ten-year plan. When we are in Christ, when every day you and I as individuals and together are drawing strength from Him and direction from Him, we can turn. When Jesus says, turn. Even if we hadn't planned or strategized to turn. We can back up when Jesus says back up. Even if we haven't planned or strategized to back up. We can stay put when Jesus says stay put. Even if we hadn't planned to stay put. We can move forward when Jesus says move forward. Even if we had not yet planned or strategized to move forward. And I am confident that we will always know these things when we are in Christ. The Lord doesn't expect us to know today the details of what we're going to do in two years or ten years. All the Lord expects from us, His vision for us, is that we stay in Him. And that is enough. Committing to stay close to Him. And that's how we accomplish His vision for us. Becoming community in Christ, it's not my vision. It's not the session's vision. It's God's vision. We become because He wants us to become. From one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next, more and more like Christ. We want to become a community because that's God's vision for us. Together, modeling the Godhead in the way we have fellowship and community with one another. We go to the community outside these walls because that's God's vision for His people. That's God, what God wants us to do when we are in Christ, to move out of this place and take the good news, the folly of the preaching of the gospel, the world around us. These are all God's vision for His people. And we are. God's people. This is a vision that we must accomplish. And we can only accomplish it when we are as individuals and together in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray now that you would help us stay in you. Lord, thank you, thank you for all that you have done to enable this relationship to be possible for us. Lord Jesus, took your death on the cross. It took you paying the price. It took you shedding your blood so that we, people like us, could be in intimate relationship with you. We pray that we would never dismiss that lightly. We pray that we would never take it for granted. Lord, I pray every day that you give us life, every morning when we wake up, that we would be amazed that we can say, I am in Christ. 
because of what you have done for us before the foundation of the world. Lord, before everything that we see was created, we were in you, in Christ, right now, seated in the heavenlies with you. Lord, amaze us with these truths so we never dismiss them, so that we never take them for granted, so that we are always amazed. Lord, we believe that we can accomplish great things when we stay in you so vitally connected to you. Thank you that we, you are the vine. Thank you that you've made us a branch. Help us always draw our life and our strength from you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.